0: Glass Onion and Knives Out actually kind of work in the reverse, where the first Mm. halves of them are almost parody and that you're, you know, you're laughing your ass off. The beginning of Glass Onion is my favorite beginning of a movie I've seen in the past, probably 10 years, especially Mm. Duke's mom solving the puzzle before he (laughs) even has a chance to look at what the thing is, where she's like, that's a Fibonacci sequence. And then after all of it is solved and whiskey comes upstairs, she's like, what's that? And the mom is still sitting at the table. She's like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) she solved it all. It's a compass, nah. Like,
1: hello and welcome back to another episode of D Fifty Four. I'm Amit and I'm joined by the legend Doug.
0: Hey man, I'm so happy to be back,
1: (laughs) man. The first, the first one we're recording in 2023. So happy New Year to everyone, and we're starting off with, I would say, a movie that. Probably ended twenty two off in a good on a good note. I'd say this movie was hugely popular and still is. I think it's trending like number one at the time of recording or number two on Netflix even still. Class um, Onion, you know the you know uh, murder murder mystery genre. Like that's a, <laughs> probably just that's probably the best definition of it. It's not really an action, kind of a thriller. Uh, has definitely some comedy to it. But um, <laughs> but interestingly enough, man, this movie has some... Um, Want don't you talk a little bit about the source material? Because I know a little bit about you, Doug, and I know you love your books and your readings. So, you know, how familiar are you with sort of... There's no source material, but I guess the inspiration behind this sort of movie and this sort of style of movie. Um, unless there is some source material that I don't know about.
0: No. but um, That's, that's actually not, one I, of my favorite things about this is that it is Ryan Johnson essentially taking IP... Flipping it Mm -hmm. on its head, making his own version of it, introducing his own character into that genre, taking a genre that he clearly loves with all of his being, bringing it into the modern day, addressing modern sensibilities, issues right down to in The Glass Onion, the COVID pandemic, and setting the scene so that we, we have every single convention we know about a genre. Uh, that began with agatha christie and you know arthur conan doyle with sherlock holmes and making it so modern that we get wrapped up in this nice cozy blanket of like oh man i'm sitting back for a murder mystery and then the ryan johnson of it all (laughs) peels it back just like the layers of an onion and he gives you everything that you want and then asks you the question why did you want that in the first place and that's why I love his movies, all of them, because he does that thing so well, maybe to a fault, uh, because I, I know there's actually like a bit of a controversy around people being like, ah, I love this movie or ah, I don't like this movie. And it's did you get served the dish you were looking for? Right. It kind of reminded me of like when you go to a restaurant and you say like, let's say, especially if you're looking for a an ethnically prepared dish, one that you're not very uh commonly familiar with you can be like all right i want orange chicken and you go to a chinese (laughs) restaurant and you're like all right well if you want orange chicken we're gonna give you this version of orange chicken and it looks nothing like what you know you know and and you're like well what and they're like well this is actually our take on it this is the way that we do it this is the one that comes Mm -hmm. from our heart and uh man i i was just head over heels for this movie from pretty much the moment i hit play how about you? Right,
1: right. Yeah, no, it was definitely, it definitely um, was interesting to me. So, me a little bit. So, I'm not so familiar with sort of this kind of genre of movie, to be honest. I've not seen so many of these. I wasn't a huge Sherlock Holmes fan, at least not the one with Robert Downey Jr. Um, not that I thought about that movie while I was watching this. But so, it was a bit unfamiliar to me. And I think, so I've not, I've not seen Knives Out before. And my my original hesitation with these movies was, and I don't think this will surprise you, mate, is that these movies I have a fear are very heavy on the exposition.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: just just, <laughs> just in sort of the way they play out. And I understand the necessity of that. But just as somebody that is a bit, I, I, I honestly think it's a, it's a flaw of mine. I think I'm too against exposition sometimes that I even look out for it. So that was my original concern of just sort of jumping into this sort of um, this franchise, to be honest. So I hadn't even seen sort of Knives Out until recently, which I actually watched the other way around. So I saw Glass Onion first, then I went back and saw Knives Out. And, that and I'm was very glad
0: you did it that way.
1: Yeah, that was really interesting because um, I had I sort of asked around a bit, like, do I need to watch Knives Out first before watching Glass Onion? And if you are listening, you don't have to, actually. They're Not at all. They're different movies. they only... The only person that continues is um yeah the main character um,
0: Benoit, Benoit Blanc Buck. yeah yeah yeah
1: <laughs> so I was, it was it was different to me because the first thing that sort of to touch on Knives Out a little bit is um one they feel completely different like they're completely I thought they were completely different movies I thought at least aesthetically or the style would be kind of similar but I didn't think they were closer like that at all like I actually think I kind of like the way Knives Out goes straight into it. Um, You know, and that's after watching Glass Onion was kind of something I didn't like too much about it. I thought it took a long time to build into that story. Um, Obviously, it paid off at the end because you got to understand all the motivations really well. And Glass Onion felt like you watched the first half twice is what I felt like. Um, But Knives Out feels like more sort of traditional uh, timeline. But what do you sort of think about the differences and um, the way they played out? But just a little bit about Knives Out before we jump into you know the mystery of the glass onion.
0: Huh. You know, I I didn't really think about it that way until you said it that way. Like you watched the first half twice. Like, uh, but I think this is what Ryan Johnson does particularly well with these movies. Uh, exactly these movies, right? Uh, the Benoit Blanc series, right. Just like if you were a fan of the Sherlock Holmes stories or you're a fan of the Agatha Christie novels, the only central – the only character that is going – that is guaranteed to continue through is your central character. You know, Hercule Poirot or Benoit Blanc in this (laughs) case or – watson and sherlock holmes these are the only characters that are absolutely guaranteed to be there you know uh, of course there's some other ancillary people that are probably going to pop up Mm -hmm. at some point and i wouldn't be surprised if ryan johnson takes a third bite at the apple that we might see one or two of the other characters kind of come through but i didn't think it was that much of a different story uh with a week worth of it under my belt because Mm -hmm. what it does is give you a mystery that Benoit Blanc is so good at solving that he solves it for you a quarter of the way or halfway through the movie. And then you spend the other half of the movie figuring out the minutia and the motivation. So the solve happens so fast that he he, he kind of like blindsides you with it. He smacks you over the face. In Glass Onion especially, the way that he did it was so great. We're like, Benoit Blanc was so cooped up. And so stuck in his own convention, literally sitting in that bathtub that by the time he gets a chance to be on that Island and actually solve a murder where he's asking like, are we going to win an iPad or something? If we win the murder (laughs) case and he solves it in five seconds that you spend the rest of the movie going, all right, what are we doing now? What is the point now? And the magic trick that he pulls in both of those movies is playing with your perception. So, the same shot repeats or the same scene repeats, but from different perspectives. And because you see a different character walking into a scene, or you see the, the reverse angle of where has a scene had taken place previously, all of a sudden the story makes sense to you in a totally different way, or you start to peel it back in a totally different way. So yeah, you did watch the first half of that movie again, but from a totally different character's perspective. And I think that is actually a big convention in murder mysteries You know, where you start to really understand where a character was while another character's alibi was playing out. Uh, so for me, knowing what I know about the genre, I was very much like, oh, okay, we're going to do this now. And I was in, I was super in, uh, but it didn't feel terribly different, but aesthetically and the, the massive casts of both of the different movies are what really set them apart. Like, so having that nice mansion in that kind of fall dreary landscape and then having this extremely bright, sunny landscape of this Greek island with this crazy opulent glass onion. Fantastic. Super smart. Like you make it feel totally different, even though you did almost the exact same thing, which honestly Sherlock Holmes did. And Hercule Poirot did like, it's always the same thing. We're going to, we're going to solve the murder. We're going to figure out the mystery but the settings and the people are what make it feel different.
1: Yeah, it hits you straight away. Like, the visual difference is so stark. Like, the color palette, as you said, bright and sunny versus, like, gloomy and dim with, uh you know, the mansion in Knives um, Out. But I think the, the storyline is a bit different, right? Like, in Knives Out, sort of, it sort of starts from start to finish. Like, Benoit Blanc solves a puzzle um, towards the start. But I think, like, the characters of, I can't remember her name, but and the master's character, she sort of has a path which you go on and you sort of follow it end to end. Uh, whereas I think in the second one, I guess that happens, it's sort of, I guess maybe because there's more sort of settings and they sort of move around a bit more, it feels like Knives Out sort of going places, whereas Knives Out, oh sorry, Glass Onion is kind of like, there's only two or three places which they really go to and they sort of show that. And the thing I liked about Glass Onion though is like, I was actually, because I know and knew it was a bit of mystery so i was trying to figure out before <laughs> it all sort of unfolded i'm not sure if you had that same phenomenon but like i think they were doing this like the filming techniques and sort of the camera angles they're using glass onion they sort of have this thing which they kept repeating they'll sort of have a person who's talking in, you know center stage behind them you can see sort of you know the different characters and their sort of body language change and them looking around and i'm trying to pick up hints to be like Wait, what's what's going on? Can I read into this more? Can I find out what's going on through the background? Um, wasn't able to so much, except for some occasions here and there. But like, for instance, when um, I think it's a uh, Duke uh, Batista's character, like when he's sort of seeing his girlfriend, um, you know, commit adultery. I guess he oh, yeah. <laughs> sort of realized there's no way I could tell that that was you know true or not until later on, which is very evident. It wasn't when you start to understand more sort of the agendas and what everyone sort of wants from this guy. So I really did, I did enjoy that experience of sort of watching, like trying to figure out this, you know, trying to figure out what's going on while looking in the background. As someone that's not familiar to this, I found it pretty entertaining. Um, Did you enjoy like that whole side of things, like trying to figure out what's going on before and were you able to figure out (laughs) what was happening before the end?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think that's why i was very happy that you were going to watch knives out after you watch this one but i didn't know that you weren't like a big fan of the genre so that it makes it Mm. even more interesting and and more of a fun conversation for me because (laughs) that it felt like part of what i was going in doing like how er, how am i going to look at this and see how ryan johnson is going to he doesn't subvert expectations he gives you everything you expect and then asks you to dig into why why did you expect that in the first place? What were you wanting from your expectation? And he did that uh, largely and very popularly and unpopularly in The Last Jedi. Because if you look at The Last Jedi on paper, everything that exists in The Last Jedi is the most Star Wars that Star Wars has ever been, but also Mm -hmm. asks you to remove some of your preconceived notions about what Star Wars had been. Whether you like it or you hate it, If you look at those things as just cold, hard facts, I think you'd be like, oh, you know what? You're right. Like the fact that that movie ends with a kid with a broom who pulled it over by the force is literally what Star Wars Mm -hmm. is. Like there is the potential for a new hero and the potential for these stories that had already existed in this universe to inspire other people. So what he does here with Knives Out and Glass Onion is be like, look, we can have the most amazing private detectives in the world. But even Lakeith Stanfield in Knives Out is like, look, he's not – he doesn't work with the police. And in Glass Onion, he mm-hmm. says the same thing. But, in you know, in this case, it, it happened toward the end. Like, I can I have no yeah. jurisdiction. I can help you figure out what happened. The yeah. justice is largely going to be up to you. And I think that's what a lot of us get – you know, like, we get pulled back by. He's not – he's not actually at the behest of any police force. And in this case, he's literally just out in the middle of nowhere. So (laughs) in the first movie, he's helping Ana de Armas clear her name. And in this movie, Mm -hmm. he's helping a woman get justice for her sister. He's almost a background character. And I Mm -hmm. love that because the main convention that Ryan Johnson then twists on its head is you're not here for a Benoit Blanc story. You're mm. here for the story of this person that Benoit Blanc yeah. just happens to attend.
1: Yeah, that, that that's really cool. It's like that's such a good way to put it because it's kind of like I didn't think of like this, but it's kind of like the protagonist in this movie. You would think is Benoit Blanc because you sort of he's sort of involved with the whole you know unraveling of the mystery, but in both movies, it's not. <laughs> you know, like he's almost just like someone that's an you're right a background or secondary character that's sort of helping to guide the narration of the other character, um, you know, Anna, Anna Armas' character in Knives Out, or in this case, it's, um, Janelle Monet's Monnet. character. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty, it, you're right. It is a really different take on sort of, you know, narration, um, that he's done in this, which I've not really seen much of before. Even if I think about sort of other movies that I have seen along this genre, normally the detective is front and center, right? At least from what I understand, like Sherlock Holmes is Sherlock Holmes. Um, I'm assuming that's how it plays out for a lot of these kind of stories, but this is a really different take on that, and I really did appreciate that side of things. Um, did you enjoy? I want to ask you about Class Onion. The the I guess you know the biggest reveal for me, I think, which was caught me completely off guard, which I think would catch anyone off guard, was the you know reveal of the twin. You know, Janelle Monet's twin. Um, were you a fan of that?
0: That did, honestly did was like. That? Uh, that- it took me a little while, and I'm a huge fan of it now. But I can see why that may have mm-hmm. been one of the things that uh, might have made some people not a huge fan of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I loved it for this particular reason. She she even played with it, you know, like the first time she meets Blanc yeah. and she brings him the box and she's like, you know, my sister. And she had this like city voice and she was talking all mm-hmm. proper. And like from that moment on, you got to understand that oh my god, this character I've been watching since moment one has been playing her sister, who she is not actually so that she can try to get all of this and then all of her action that had seemed kind of stilted and jinted and weird and there's even that scene where Catherine Hahn is watching her walk away from the pool where she's like something's off and you can see her kind yeah, of staggering yeah. and then you find out it's because she got drunk and she doesn't drink and she drank a hard kombucha because she didn't know it was a hard kombucha she didn't know what the hell that was and- it was um
1: it was Jared Leto's kombucha <laughs> yeah Jared Leto's kombucha and Jeremy Renner's hot sauce oh my yeah. god
0: like the yeah, right. the name drops all of this stuff, like what I really appreciate about these stories well first i'll I'll address the whole twin thing. It's a convention that's been in a mm. lot of movies it's been in city slickers it's been in it yeah. was parodied largely in um in beer fest, you know like the the whole yes yes, yes, yes. you know the characters, <laughs> not dead, but because they played it the way that they did, where the hubris of the main you know, protagonist of the movie is that he thinks he killed her. He's positive he killed yeah. her. And she must have mentioned to him countless times that she had a sister, but he didn't give a shit about her. He doesn't give a shit about any of the people around him so much so that he forgot she had a twin sister, that it might have even been a possibility that that could occur. Yeah. So that hubris is what ultimately leads to his downfall by the end of the movie. And that's why I really appreciated the take. Largely because Janelle Monáe commits so hard to that performance and Ryan Johnson commits so hard to making sure that it is framed like she is Andy the whole time Mm. until we do the camera flip. And then you start to see her journey and what she's been doing with Benoit Blanc since the very beginning, which was brilliant. The scene where he arrives at the island. And again, the hubris of being like, how did you get one of my boxes? Mm -hmm. I didn't invite you here. Like, why wouldn't you think about that? (laughs) why wouldn't you think about that it's because he's a nothing yeah, he's a yeah. nobody he's just a sham artist that drops celebrities names as often as he possibly can and takes credit yeah, yeah. for somebody else's work he's only concerned about trying to get his name out there not necessarily the machinations about what lifted him to where he is in the first place mm-hmm. and ultimately that's what makes everything actually come crash down around him yeah yeah i loved it yeah no i
1: I think I was one of the people that when I first saw it, instantly my instant reaction was like, "Oh, this is a bit convenient." Like <laughs> I think that that's that, that sort of what my instant because I think that's a trope that's not looked well. It's not looked upon really well, you know, introducing a you know random twin to come on. It's like a dream. Oh, it was or, or, or like a parody, parody
0: now. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's like a parody. So I was like, okay, this is kind of strange. Um, my, I, 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 and I did battle with whether I was okay with this or not. I think the points you made are exactly how I felt. Like, it's kind of like Janelle Monáe really commits to this role and credit to her for playing two characters, um, you know, because they are, you know, the way she portrays and, you know, transforms herself is completely different to what she was acting in the side of the movie. Um, So that really sold me on that side of things. And I think, you know, uh, the detective, um, yeah, uh Bonet. yeah he's sort of um oh yeah ben,
0: ben, ben ben blanc. Blanc.
1: benoit blanc Blanc,
0: yeah. which by the way what that did you think of, of me his mean... accent i wanted you to finish your thought but what oh, do you think of I his did. accent
1: oh, i really want to ask you about this accent it's like for me as the thing the, the thing about being outside america and hearing these accents what i can do is you don't know what's real and what's not real <laughs> like I've, I've never really met anybody from the South, I think. So I can't really compare it to any real accent I've seen. So for me, it becomes like, this is the authentic accent or what they sound like. But after watching a ton of bad movies, I know that sometimes that's not true. So <laughs> I was, look, I thought it was a great addition to it because, um, as I said, with this, movies that are very really heavily exposition focused. It helps to have some kind of character that's over the top or something that's a bit different or peculiar about them. We're really to keep going along that. And I think, I think that in um, *Knives Out*, it's not as required for some reason. I thought *Knives Out* just didn't require it as much, but I thought it was even more exaggerated in *Glass Onion*. I oh yeah, puts it on even more, or maybe his character is even more like that, and it worked because it's. Um, I thought it honestly. He helped me stay engaged. A lot of times.
0: <laughs> well, honestly, I think, I think it's a character choice because uh, <laughs> yeah. it was a huge criticism actually from *Knives Out* when he did that. Because he's mm. British, as, as we all know, right? Yeah. He's James yeah. fucking Bond. But the, <laughs> yeah. uh, the way that I thought about this movie is that imagine if, ja- imagine if you watched a James Bond movie that was from Felix Leiter's perspective and James Bond mm. happened to oh. be in it. That's the way Knives Out and Glass Onion play, where Benoit Blanc would still be the James Bond of the movie, but he's just helping who is essentially the main character. Because, you know, that that has yeah. happened in many of the James Bond films. He's helping Felix do something, yeah, yeah. but it's a, a small part of the mission. It's not the mission at large. That would be interesting. And that's what these movies mm. are. Uh, but his, <laughs> I mean, it's so over the top and it's so, <laughs> it's so crazy that it's, it dawned on me that it might actually be an affectation of the way that he presents himself to anyone that doesn't know him personally. Mm. As a way to draw attention into him, maybe all the ways that he solves cases are by drawing attention to him so that whoever it is that's helping him or whoever it is that asked for his help can actually aid him more efficiently. Because if you're so big and you're so broad and you're making these crazy wild accusations, (laughs) then everybody might be looking at you while somebody else is doing you know, picking a lock, or checking a diary, or looking at logs, or yeah. looking at phones, or reading a fax machine—you know, something along yeah, those lines. Yeah. And Ryan Johnson actually, like, absolutely strikes me as the type of guy who would say that to Daniel Craig and be like, "We're never going to explain it, but that's yeah, what you're yeah. doing." And he'd be like, "Cool, I'm in."
1: Yeah, I mean, it does. I think it does work because I think compared to again, Knives Out again, like Glass Onion who's like with all the celebrity cameos and all the name dropping, as we say, it is a lot about sort of, um, like, I wouldn't say, maybe maybe distractions are our right word. Like, it's meant to sort of, yeah. it's meant to distract you, you know? Like, you know, we see a Serena Williams appear up for, you know, 10 seconds, and you're like, okay, we see Jared Leto's name dropped. We see um, Angela Lansbury in actually like, in one yeah. of the screens. Yes, yes, when they're playing video, when they're playing um, Among Us, which, again, is sort of like, yeah. You know, it's it's kind of an Easter y kind of thing. Amazing. <laughs> like, you know, they're playing. It. Yeah, yeah. So it is. It's definitely. i will say Knives Out. i will say glass Onion is very self aware of itself of being a murder mystery movie, whereas Knives Out just plays a like traditional murder um, mystery in some ways with all this sort of stuff. Like I think you've got a scene which is a really pretty popular one. kid Hudson spinning around in like a dress. And it's, oh, yeah. it, it reminded me of like a magic trick, like you're looking at this, but you should be looking at this, which is why I kept being like, what's going on here and what's going on here? And, you know, seeing things out of focus <laughs> to sort of understand. So I did like that. But touching on the um, the twin aspect, just to return to that, I did, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I did sort of agree with you. I kind of like, it's very, I, I, I applaud Ryan Johnson for sort of taking on this trope and doing it so well that you can sort of get away with it and be like, okay, fine, I forgive it because it was executed well, you know? And that's that's a real test. He put himself in dangerous waters because if it had not been done so well, I would have been like, uh, you know, I sort of wish there wasn't a twin, <laughs> you know? It could have been a very heavy criticism of the movie. But yeah, yeah. Look, at the end, I didn't mind it too much.
0: It, well, this is, this is what I was talking about earlier, but uh, before we hit record, when we talked about Hot Fuzz, mm-hmm. And how I thought this movie was similar to that, in that in the wrong hands, both Knives Out and Glass Onion are parodies in the wrong hand. Hot Fuzz towed the line of parody for its first half, and then fully yes, yes. committed to being an actual insane action movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and Glass Onion and Knives Out actually kind of work in the reverse, where the first mm. halves of them are almost parody and that you're, you know, you're laughing your ass off. The beginning of Glass Onion is my favorite beginning of a movie I've seen in the past probably 10 years, especially mm. Duke's mom solving the puzzle before he even <laughs> has a chance to look at what the thing is where she's like that's a Fibonacci sequence. And yeah, then yeah. after all of it is solved and whiskey comes upstairs, she's like, what's that? And the mom is still sitting at the table. She's like, I don't know. Like she <laughs> solved it all. It's a compass. Nah! Like it, it slayed me the, just the way that that was handled and it was all put together so deftly and so, and so craftily and so very much. Ryan Johnson were like, you can tell he's got this cool kind of snappy, mm-hmm. cracky dialogue in his mind, but he also knows how to put a puzzle together in a big bad yeah. way. And it was the same thing with Hot Fuzz where like, yeah, you're, you're laughing, but you also have to be in admiration of the real spectacle that that movie Mm. gives you. And the fact that everyone commits 1000% to that actually being a really good film. In addition to being funny, it's not a parody, it's a love letter. Mm. And that's what these movies are. They just happen to exist, you know, 120 years post that genre being so popular that you can't yeah. not make fun of it a little bit. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Now, I also did... The intro is interesting because it, it, it did a lot of things really well. I think, one, you're right, it is pretty funny. So, again, like, if I compare it to Knives Out, which I sort of keep doing in this, but, like, Knives Out starts with the murder. Like, it starts with the death, <laughs> you know? So while it sort of becomes progressively a bit more funny afterwards with the introduction of the accent and a few other characters here and there... Um, and sort of to see that crazy family dynamic. Like, I think class I mean, it commits itself to comedy much more in the first half. And it's exactly as you're saying. It's it's towing that line between parody and respect and sort of, you know, it's playing these games with you as well as you're doing it. But yeah, it establishes how, you know, the characters, sort of who they are in the world of this really well, really efficiently, um, you know, to this little puzzle that they're playing. And it even establishes a little bit with um, Benoit as well, like sort of, you know, what his, where he is in the world right now. And, you know, it also takes a pretty good approach to make it more modern. You're right. Like and I thought I sort of understood him a little bit better, just through that small bathtub scene. Um, <laughs> bathtub. You know, just, I actually <laughs> thought about that
0: before we recorded. It was like, man, I've got my winter beard on. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I kind of have a Benoit Blanc in the bathtub look right now.
1: <laughs> but um, it's just like because in the first one I kinda of was like, what is his motivations to sort of get involved so much? into sort of this world, um, you know, to Anna de and the Armas' world um, in that movie. And, you know, it became like, yep, he, you know, he's a detective and he likes doing what he does. And he really wants to support her because she's a good person, which I really like that message in Knives Out. You know, yeah. it told a really good story at the end. Like, you know, like she's a good person, doesn't deserve to go through all the crap that she's gone through. And she wins in the end. In Glass Onion, I was kind of like, why is he going to take on this one? And it was kind of like, OK, it's a pandemic. We've all been locked up. which he's been stuck. He's deprived of, you know, intellectual simulation and he doesn't get it by crosswords or these games. He needs something grand um to put himself into. So that 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 was kind of cool. I kinda like that. You sort of understood where he is in the world as well. Um they might do that subtly more and more as this franchise continues, I think, because obviously this is gonna be, you know, number two, three, four, five, six, um, five, six, maybe even with this sort of franchise the way it's going. Yeah, so, I honestly yeah, would, was, I
0: would want to see this like a Sherlock like a like a sherlock yeah. bbc series um which if you haven't watched that Correct. and you liked what this served you the BBC mm. sherlock series with benedict cumberbatch and martin freeman yeah, is yeah. oh it is just for uh, wow. at least the first three seasons it is spectacular yeah. prestige tv it's that so the good american
1: one
0: I had american no no one, it's right? british
1: no, this there's, there's a right elementary.
0: The British one or the British <laughs> one is far better as as well it should yeah, be yeah. than the American one. The American yeah, one yeah. is okay. But the British one is <laughs> unbelievable. The way it modernizes the actual like the the bones, the DNA of a Sherlock Holmes story and brings it to mm. life, it is unreal unreal yeah. how much they achieved with that it's so good like the robert downey jr version was great but that was definitely a guy Ritchie take on that story right oh like, exactly yes yes you yes. know like we're really going to caffeinate this and we're really going to play up these character yeah. aspects where this it, it stands as my favorite in, iteration of the stories ever it's it's fantastic mm. but that's yeah. why i kind of wish i would i would love another movie but if they were going to continue on the character bring it bring it to a tv series uh because i think the convention of benoit blanc not actually being the hero of the story might get a little telling over time Mm. unless unless we took a few months or years worth of break
1: yeah i really wonder what they're gonna do with this next and we'll touch on that a little bit later um but yeah I i think the story's been covered basically you know i think really enjoyed it it was um you know, at the end, it was good to see the downfall of sort of Edward Norton's character. Um speaking of Edward Norton... You <laughs> he know, was so these... good. He was so good at yeah, such a piece yeah, of crap yeah. in this movie. The cast and, I mean, this movie... Man, like, hit after hit after hit, I thought. Right. Like, you know, um, even some of the side characters come in. Like, I think I had a note, like... Is that Jessica Henwick? Like, yeah. From, um, the Our second Jessica Henwick. Yeah. It's the great man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the Jessica Henry podcast. I mean, <laughs>
0: but
1: essentially, um, you know, I was like, "Is that Jessica Henry? Yes, it is. And then, you know, you see like, in the bucket the subject, hat, just, just
0: looking like not yeah, at all like, flattering.
1: No, exactly. They yeah. really, they really downplayed her. Um, so, you just have these small characters, and Kate Hudson's there, and Catherine Hahn, who I love, um, Dave Bautista, man, On this guy fire in
0: this movie. He was the he... best. He- every scene he was yeah. in I was there for it was so much fun to watch him play the way that he did
1: it must be it must be so great to be around this kind of environment where you're sort of it's kind of almost competitive they're almost one-upping each other you know you got Edward Norton who's incredible in this then you got Dave Batista alongside him you've got Catherine Hard throwing some witty cracks in the side and Bonneville Blanc um, Daniel Craig with this crazy accent you're kind of like wow this is like a really you, actors are really showing off what they, what they can do yeah, yeah they're really bring it their all. And I thought that was maybe one of my favorite parts of this. And of course, you know, Monet just, it was flawless. She, like, she I bought the floor with the movie with by the end.
0: By the When she yeah. when she pushes the button, when she runs to push the button for the Mona Lisa and yes, it actually yes, like pulls off the thing and you can see it written on her face that that's what she yeah, just. Yeah, yeah. She was my favorite performance of the movie. Second mm. to the random guy on the island that was just there that never gets explained <laughs> at all. Yep, yep. I love that guy
1: (laughs) no he was for me he was a red herring like I was thinking is he is he gonna commit a crime here cause it's it's, so it's so purposeful like there's this guy randomly is he gonna have a bigger part to play and yep it turns out no nothing he's just he's just there
0: (laughs) it's a smoke-free island until the end when like everything blows up so Daniel Craig finally lights the cigar and he's sitting next to him smoking the joint and he's like yeah man pretty great (laughs) (laughs) like
1: they had um, like they had Ethan Hawke as a COVID the, yeah the, the, vaccine the COVID guy. spray guy. Yeah, Hugh um Hugh Grant is um I think Benoit he start his like, uh, husband yeah. or partner or whatever. Um, <laughs> like for it his two scenes that he's in, where it's
0: just yes. I think he only says the word Blanc. Someone's here yeah, to yeah. see you with a box. That's like,
1: all. It even went to the I think it was um Love Love Hewitt that 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 guy in Inception. His voice is a dong or something like that. Oh, yeah. uh, like, this is just, yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. It's. And Madeline Klein, the the,
0: the the woman who played whiskey, Madeline Klein, she yes, did yes. like a guilty pleasure show that my mom, of all people, called me one day and was like, I just watched this show on Netflix. It's called Outer Banks. And it is like a teen drama yeah, that yeah. you shouldn't watch. You don't need to watch. But because she watched it and loved it, she binge watched it in one night. I oh, wow. decided okay. I'd watch it so that I could have something to talk to my mom about. <laughs> uh, and Madeline Klein is in that series, and she's she's fantastic in every scene yeah. that she's in. She's acting her ass off, and she did the same thing here. You know, the her yeah. intro where she's next to Duke and she's like, "I love my boobs," sorry, feminists. And uh-huh. then you find out later on, yeah. like, no, she has an ulterior motive, and she's just trying to rise you know, to eventually have like a place at a political table or something like yeah. it, this, this cast was off the charts insane. And Jessica Henwick yeah. playing off of Kate Hudson was like one of my favorite uh-huh. things, how she was always tried. She was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, my costume was supposed to be an homage to Beyonce, but people took it the wrong way. And like how she's uh-huh. so awful. And Jessica Henwick is just there to try to like keep her even keel. Like, oh, yeah. brilliant
1: brilliant yeah no it was it was yeah you're right like you couldn't look at like, you couldn't look anywhere without just you know a random extra or something like that is there's, there's always someone of some note um in these movies uh this this one even more like i, I think knives out did have had a sack cast as well oh a yeah of, uh, you know
0: big huge cast <laughs> you know jamie uh, and, 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 and our boy and chris evans us. was there in his uh yeah chris, of course in, in, in yeah. his wonderful sweater that sweater yes. is very famous <laughs>
1: But um, I think this one pushes it even, even further in, in, in that way. And yeah, good on them for doing that. Like, I definitely enjoyed that part of it because it was just a surprise every time. But um, who was your favorite performance of everyone in this movie? I like, guess I think you mentioned it was, was it Janelle Monet or who was the one that you. Well, I mean, like, in terms
0: of before? actual real good performance, it's Janelle Monet because yeah. she has to do, yeah. she has to play oh, yeah. not only her, it's the Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, uh, but they're like, doing each other's voices okay Mm. but not great like at each other she has to do a version of that here where when she's playing her actual self and when she's playing andy she's playing two different versions of the character and that she has to play the like meld of the two when she's drunk Mm. and she just knocked it out of the park with being so convincingly one way and then so convincingly another way she was absolutely fantastic so from like a real honest earnest genuine perspective her yeah. performance was great, but otherwise it was absolutely Batista, just yeah, actually firing off on all cylinders.
1: I, oh, okay. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Literally firing <laughs> off. Yeah, the dude carries a gun while he's swimming. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, no, I probably agree. I think Genom Genomani Mon- and yeah, she did the same role as sort of Ana de Armas, who sort of carried this all the story through, and they both did exceptional um, jobs in both the movies. Uh, but yeah, they Batista man. Credit to this guy. Like, I have, I would never have seen this coming from Dave Batista, Because, like, no. I mean, like, I mean, I used to watch wrestling when I was younger. And Dave Batista, I knew of, definitely. Like, I knew who he was. But he wasn't The Rock. He wasn't John Cena. He wasn't these guys who were highly charismatic. And you could just tell that there's a, you know, they're destined for sort of bigger things because they're so entertaining. Dave Batista, far out. From someone that's basically an unknown to taking, I mean, I remember Dave Batista. I've seen him in this movie called, um, and you might have seen this movie. Oh, it's a movie, um, The Man with the Iron Fist or something like that. Have you seen this movie?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the one
1: The one by the Rizal. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, like he could have easily just been sidelined as this big brute um, character that has very, very little range until he sort of did the Guardian stuff, which made him into sort of, this um, you know, this comedic relief in a way. But his resi- his versatility in his acting has become incredible now. Like Amazing. From his- he's in Dune. He's in um Blade Runner twenty seventy seven in a really critical yeah. role. Even though it's short, but it's really critical. And That's actually my this- favorite
0: performance of his still. And yeah. I think what I liked most about this movie is that he kind of wore shades of each of his performance styles yeah. through playing Duke. So like the, the crazy gun toting, like really over the top moments are there. But like when you understand his motivations, when he's talking to miles and he's like, so yes, yes. what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? And you don't realize that it's because he's showing him the article that Andy died. Yeah. Like all of his motivations are there and he's actually a deeply sad person who's just trying as hard yes. as he can to, to do stuff like he, he played it all and and committed to it all so effortlessly that it reminded me of his character in Blade Runner twenty four ninety nine. Yes, and uh, yeah, like the Rock is the center of attention anytime he's in a frame. Yeah. Dave Bautista can actually blend into the background, mm-hmm. you know, actually become invisible in Marvel, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but the fact that he can do that—that that he can take a back seat and he can let somebody else be the center of the frame, even though he's in the shot—is mm-hmm. like. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, he's turning into a really well-rounded actor. Like he's, and funny we didn't even mention that, that sort of Daniel Craig just then in sort of our favorite actors and performances, and that sort of shows you the uh, well, power I, of this
0: movie. Yeah, like he's he's great. But again, my theory is that that's the whole magic trick of these two films and this Correct. this IP. He's not the main character, and that's I think what he was yeah. trying to do with the Last Jedi. I've 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 thought this for years. The Skywalkers hmm. are not the main characters of what Star Wars has to offer the people. They are very pivotal plot point characters, and they were the main characters of this iteration of Star Wars, but Star Wars at large is about hope. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to give you hope that something else can come out of this story other than this family being the most important thing out there. And unfortunately, that got steamrolled, but I think that's what he tries to do. Let's get to the heart of what makes this genre tick, Let's exploit mm. that and muddy around with the recipe otherwise, so that you'd be like, whoa, I thought I was going to taste garlic right now, but I'm not a bad about tasting cumin, you know?
1: Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really looking forward to um, talk a little bit about sort of what they're going to sort of do next to the franchise. You did mention a TV show, which I'd be pretty interested in. I have a suspicion that they're probably going to go down the route of the movies more just because of how successful they've been. Um,
0: and and Ryan know, Johnson is it, like, we we've also yeah. talked about the cinema effect at home. Yeah, that's right. Ten out of ten.
1: This this movie did much more than Knives Out did, but which is strange because Knives Out was actually in cinema, whereas this one wasn't. If I'm correct, like it had uh, it did strong.
0: a limited release, so it was out about a yeah, month. Yeah, limited release. Uh, here in the states, anyway, it was out about a month yeah, before okay. it actually hit Netflix.
1: Yeah, interesting. Um, I wonder what direction they're going to go on next because I, I, obviously you know Daniel Craig did you know he signed on. But um, any predictions or thoughts, or what do you want them to sort of um, do next with this? Because I, I, I guess the challenge is to not, not get tired. You know, is it going to be, is it going to be a Daniel Craig movie next time or something like that?
0: I think here's what you would need to do. And knowing Ryan mm-hmm. Johnson, this is what he would kind of do. Because like, I don't know if you've seen Looper, but he did this really awesome, well in yeah. Looper, where like,
1: yeah,
0: it ultimately was an assassin needed to kill his old former version of himself yes, in order yes. for the world to be saved. I think there might be a version of this movie where the third movie is about Benoit Blanc getting dethroned or Benoit Blanc getting defrocked mm. in some way. Like not necessarily an up and coming investigator coming after him, uh, but yeah. more about him. It could be him passing the mantle or it could be somebody coming after him and unearthing something from his past that literally just makes him stop, you know, like, all right, I'm, I'm done with this because If it is another version of he assists who we didn't know was the main character while we thought he was the main character, it's not that it'll be stale, but it'll be far more predictable and thus less fun. Yeah.
1: Could they do a prequel, you think? Would they do a prequel before he sort of did all this stuff?
0: I could absolutely be into that.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a prequel where he is actually the main protagonist, and there's someone else <laughs> as a detective. I don't know. There could be well, something. Oh
0: yeah, maybe he maybe like he that. got like handed the mantle. You know, like yeah. this is this is the way that it goes. This is why I do stuff. Or maybe we understand his motivations a little bit more. Or maybe it's a little bit yeah. of a smaller stake story or something like that. I don't know, but I do trust this that Ryan Johnson is mm-hmm. not going to play the same deck of cards for a third time if it ends up no, back in I the think cinema.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential for the third one because he could like he obviously Ryan Johnson he's quite aware of what he's already established in these two movies so far. It could even be a way to sort of understand why he is a genius he is. And sort of then if you rewatch the other movies, you get snippets of why he did certain things, potentially. I don't know. But there is a lot of potential for a third movie. But you're right, the challenge would be just so it doesn't get stale. And yeah, I don't think they're gonna do the same thing. If it's just again, he's a side character, people are gonna be like, All right, we've seen this to see how it unfolds like it's it's going to be a bit more predictable so i'm really interested to see what they do next i'm not i'm like i think it's already been greenlit or if it hasn't then it must be soon because it's uh so successful know, it's, it's and so popular. smart and so fun yeah and it's cool to see like i think this um knives out class onion sort of franchise i'm not sure what they're going to call the franchise the Benoit Blanc franchise i guess um it's probably the most popular like detective one that I can think of anyway. I know like Sherlock Holmes was kind of like a one-off. They didn't expand on that universe much, and I don't think it was. It's hard to tell if it's as successful as you know what Glass Onion and sort of, Nizar have done. But it's nice that they have sort of taken this genre and brought it back to life, as you said, a genre that was extremely popular way back in the day, and they have sort of brought it back to life now. And yeah, people like myself who are not super into that genre can sort of jump on and be like. Hey, that was actually a pretty good time. I
0: actually really enjoyed that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, if you're not a died in the wool like, I want to see the back alley of the 1900s England, mm. like, that's yeah, yeah. that's a lot of what you get when you're looking at a Sherlock Holmes story. And that's fantastic. Yes. I'll show up for it always. They have Enola mm-hmm. Holmes and Enoma, Enola yes, Holmes 2 just- on Netflix. I loved both of them. Yep. I thought it was so much fun. And there's a version of that where it's kind of like, give me the slop. I want to eat Mm -hmm. the slop. I know what's going to happen. I know that we're going to solve something by the end, but that's what I really enjoy about these is that we solve it so fast. Mm. It is solved. What was the other thing that we were trying to achieve? And a lot of that is the motivation of the character who is actually the main character that we Mm. don't realize isn't by the end. So I love the fact that it's just Benoit Blanc by the end. But God, you really have me like scratching my head about a thought exercise. Usually I have a really good answer, but I like I just <laughs> it was it was the same way I felt after Last Jedi. I'd like I what am mm. I I don't know. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I'm excited. That's my answer.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah, so it's, it's pretty yeah. um, yeah, I'm just excited to see what they sort of do next. Um with us and what sort of cast they bring on. Like, obviously like it's going to be stacked. With Holy people. shit. So
0: <laughs> you yeah. gotta, what, what are you going to bring yeah. in the cast of, you got to bring in the cast of Westworld and stranger things. <laughs> and uh, like every major, thing. like, I don't know who's left. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, yeah I, don't know. I don't even know if we ever sort of in at the next stage, I guess, I guess, cause I don't know if Netflix is starting to have Netflix darlings. Like, I don't know. RMS is out of sort of one with, um, oh yeah Blonde Knives out, and then we had yeah. uh, Blonde and uh, the, the Grey Man <laughs> um again she was in that as well so and yeah Henrik we just mentioned uh, there might be something going on with that Netflix sort of um you know world or something like that that might build out if it goes to Netflix um yeah, it gets distributed. I'm not sure if that has any part to play it. I honestly actually. think
0: that, uh, the only reason that that deal was made was because Ryan Johnson, I think, was playing way more safely with the potential of what COVID would do to the theaters.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, true. Uh, and, and I mean, I also love the way that he handled that in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So smart. I love that, yeah. Like, especially with Catherine Hahn, the way that she was like, she was the senator who was all about, you know, saving the environment. Yes. And she was all like, she was, she's your protector of the people and yet she opens the door yeah. and is like, oh shit. And like tried to put her hand in her arm, <laughs> her face in her arm. And then when you see yeah, Kate yeah. Hudson roll up onto that uh onto the dock in Greece and she's got the like fake mask yeah, over yeah. her <laughs> mouth and she's laying down on the beach and she's like, oh, I can breathe again without these masks yeah, on. Yeah. You know, like it just it plays yes. so much and it was like a nice amount of levity. But that I think that was really the only reason we saw this one come to Netflix at all. Yeah, true uh he, could, he may have just been like i don't know what's gonna happen and i want people to see my movie
1: yeah yeah let me get it on a popular distributor yeah no, that, that makes a lot of sense um what do you take on this this is the thing um that got to me when i was watching this are these are these a modern day oceans movies oh because uh, that's uh, sort of what the feeling i got doing like that was because like that was the time that was only franchise that i saw that would play this whole you know Mystery element, and at the end you have the you know result of what happened today. But mostly it was just talking and planning rather than the actual heist itself. Um, you know, the actual end result of this is kind of just like you know, um, Geno Monet blowing up a few, uh, bashing a few things, and the building blowing up. But the the crux of the movie is the planning and how it all unfolds. That's sort of what I got when I was watching this. I don't know if that's no, you if know, that's I, reaching too far or if it's. <laughs> I
0: think you're. I think you're onto something there. I think that's what what makes these movies tick is that he took a very typical murder mystery Mm. or, you know, um, Sherlock Holmes story, you know, something along that line in the genre. And he populated it with so many big name actors and characters that when you're, when they're on the screen, just like I talked about with, with Blanc's accent, you can't look at anything else. Like Jamie Lee Curtis is on screen right now. I'm going to watch her. Mm -hmm. You know, I, like I told you, I didn't get to watch all of knives out. I haven't seen it in like, probably six Mm. months or so with the exception of the first 15 minutes. But one of the scenes I loved most was that each of the characters being questioned by Blanc talks about Harlan's birthday party. And each time they bring up his candles being lit, the camera shows Harlan sitting there. And the only person next to Harlan is the one telling the story as the candles are lit Mm. and being dropped next to him. Like it is, everything is misdirect. Everything is Tony Collette. Look at her. Uh, Uh, Chris Evans, look at him. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the reason that he did it is like it's so they're so recognizable. They're gonna have such a new nu- nuanced or not nuanced performance that you can't mm-hmm. take your eyes off them. And because you're looking at them, you're not looking at what happened in the background. And I yeah. think my favorite example of that in the first movie is with the grandmother. Um yeah. so she's there's that scene where she's looking outside and she keeps saying different things as she sees someone drop yeah. from the window, right? Mm-hmm. And then eventually they talk to her and she's like, Oh, yeah, you should have just asked me the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and like, Yeah, of course. She was sitting there the whole time. Like, but yeah. you're looking at so everything. You're looking at these people, you know? So, yes, yeah, yeah. I, I think there is a version of that where it's like, Look how cool and fun and groovy this is. And look how many people we yep. got to show up. And everyone is having the time of their lives. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to try to sneak in a really good story. And while all that right. stuff is going on, there's. All these little chess pieces being moved that you don't even see i think you're right i think that was probably a huge motivator as to why he chose to do it with that big of a cast because it could have been anyone
1: yeah Yeah. that's true you're right like the ensemble cast that's what those movies were known for they just have like a you know uh, brad pitt along with george clooney which you wouldn't see that much of like so many different actors coming together which is what you know this one also does as well that's definitely our i got as somebody that sort of remembers that style of movie, like, well, I didn't watch the murder mystery so much. That was sort of, I did like those, those kind of movies. Um, and this sort of reminded me of that. So interesting to see what other influences he's going to take, because he's obviously a very self aware um, director. And I just want to see, you know, what other, what other, how's it going to sort of progress as we sort of go further and further on with other influences. Um, but yeah, man, I think we can probably talk about the ending, the D scale. Um, i got a feeling I kind of have an idea what you might give this, but um where would this sort of sit on your D scale? I'm assuming it's gonna be on the higher end. Um uh so dynamite. I'm sorry, dope, dynamite. <laughs> think you know them defendable?
0: Yeah, this is this is getting a full this is getting a full dope from me. Uh not not yeah. all the way like dynamite, not not fully explosive, if only for the fact that it is a sequel. Like we had talked about, yeah, I right. really, I really love that you came to this in the reverse direction. Mm. If I hadn't seen (laughs) Knives Out First, this would have been a full dynamite because I would have been like, what the hell just happened? Like he solved the mystery so soon and everybody was doing, and everybody was so shitty. And like the main character finally gets there. And I didn't even realize that. Like, again, it's not that it was exactly the same thing, but enough of a similar kind of current occurred for me in this movie that I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. it was great. It still served me exactly what I was looking for. But I had seen a different version of it that I wouldn't necessarily say better. I think the movies are pretty parallel. Um, Mm. Maybe Knives Out edges it a little bit more just because the whole, like, the weight of the medication was like a masterstroke of how would you accidentally (laughs) kill somebody without even realizing that you killed them? Yeah. Uh, But, like, the sheer amount of fun that was in the second one was a little bit better. So, again, they're pretty, pretty parallel. But, like, franchise in general, Dynamite. Mm. The third film yeah. could sink it or raise it. Uh, but yeah, this yeah. one, Glass Onion in particular, I'd give it a dope. What about you? Yeah,
1: right, right. So Glass Onion is a dope for you. um I think again, so not so familiar with these movies, not my wheelhouse. Still very much enjoyed it. So it's definitely it's, it's it's a dynamite for probably both. I think I like Knives Out a little bit more. Just because I think the things you mentioned, it kind of was more like a wow. And even at the end, I think in Knives Out, it's kind of like. He slit his throat thinking that he would have died from the medication, but he wouldn't have actually died, which could have, you know, really hit you hard. Like, wow. So that weight really gets you, like, wow, this guy's actually dead. Whereas in um Glass Onion, it is a bit more lighter take. You know, at the end, it's the end of her career's reputation. And, you know, there's no one that's actually died. It's for Dave Batista, who's not um, you know, like, like I I guess I didn't centralize his death as much. But yeah, it looked pretty, pretty good. I enjoyed both movies. Um I probably give knives out, yeah, but they're probably both dynamite on the same sort of scale. Uh, probably just knives out a bit above, and um, yeah, uh, Oh, I went, I went too there. high,
0: didn't I? I was supposed to go dynamite and not do. To- yeah, okay,
1: you were dynamite. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's all. That's all good, man. Um, we're still getting away with the <laughs> scale. <laughs> that, that's all fine. I should. I forgot to ask you posted here before, yeah. but um, yeah, that's pretty good, man. I definitely recommend this movie if you're one of the three people that haven't seen it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> I listened to this but um yeah this was a blast uh, this was a blast doug really enjoyed talking about this movie um and yeah looking forward to catching you on the next one
0: yeah of course man I, I like i literally was racking my brain trying to think of other similar movies that do what this movie does yeah. but it's it's all just ryan johnson like if you go back yeah, and true. look at the rest of his filmography even if you don't like the movie you can't deny that he takes some pretty big swings uh yeah. about playing with what you expected to see and god i'm just really even just the writing like it is just wet crap. Oh, yeah. it's coming at you so like you said it's not action but because no. everybody moves so fast and everybody talks so fast it kind of feels mm-hmm. like that's still there i just loved it but that's the reason i love coming to talk <laughs> to you and uh <laughs> i'm really looking forward to talking about the next one too
1: awesome man we'll, we'll catch you all thanks all for listening and we'll catch you in the next one
0: thanks guys yeah